This is the All About 80s Music Podcast with John Mysick and Steve Ojello. Hey, this is Steve Ojello, and I'm here with John Mysick. How's it going, Steve? It's going well, John. Bubbling up through what was mostly a male-dominated music scene in the 80s were the women. Performers, songwriters, instrumentalists, band members. Join us as we shed the spotlight on some of the decade's greatest ladies of the 80s. So, John... Today, we're recognizing some of the women that influenced the music we love in many different ways throughout the greatest decade. For you, who immediately comes to mind to kick off this conversation? Steve, there are so many great female musicians in the 80s, so many great female vocalists. You think of Tina Turner, you think of Whitney Houston, you know, you think of Stevie Nicks and Kate Bush and so many people who are definitional to the decade. I'm going to start with Chrissy Hind, who, who managed to bridge both the 70s and the 80s, getting her start with The Pretenders, who debuted in 1979 with Kid, their immortal song, Brass in Pocket. Steve, so many songs from Chrissy Hine. Talk of the Town, Message of Love, My City Was Gone, Back on the Chain Yang, Middle of the Road, 2,000 Miles, Don't Get Me Wrong. This woman is the quintessential 1980s rocker. She came out of the punk scene in London in 1977, uh, was the girlfriend briefly of Steve Jones of the Sex Pistols, worked in Malcolm McLaren's famous sex shop in the King's Road. Um, Ohio, we had a relationship with uh, with Ray Davies of the Kinks, Jim Carr of Simple Minds. It felt like she was just there taking notes on everything the whole time. She came roaring out, Steve, a rare thing for the time, a female-fronted rock band. She could rock as hard and kick as much ass as any male musician of the decade. I saw Chrissy Hine at Live Affair, must have been, goodness, 1997. Hine came out and just ripped the roof off of what was then the E-Center in Camden, New Jersey. Electrifying, an absolutely electrifying presence. And she's still at it. She's 70 plus. She's still at it to this day and sounds fantastic. I mean, Steve, the one thing I mean, want to say about the Pretenders, too, is that you know it's important to point out that Hind and drummer Martin Chambers are the only two original members left standing. Unfortunately, that original amazing lineup of Hind, Chambers, James Honeyman Scott on guitar, and Pete Farndon on bass uh, burned brightly, but briefly, both of them lost to Heroin Overdose, a great scourge of the London scene of, of the 1980s. But she came rip-roaring back in 84 with Middle of the Road with uh, Robbie McIntosh on guitar just a stalwart of the English scene who went on to play with Paul McCartney, among others. Uh, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. She had Blair Cunningham, he of Haircut 100 fame, manning the drum kit at one point. So everyone has kind of rotated through the pretenders, I feel like, at one point or another, but with Chrissy Hind kind of as the band's main songwriter and North Star at all times. I'm glad you read my mind because I wanted to give Martin Chambers a shout out. He always seemed like a constant president in that band. One of the great solid rock drummers. He just, he goes there, he does his job, plays powerfully, which I can personally attest to. Yeah. With, with, with a lot, a lot of power. All right. I'm going to start my list off with Janet Jackson, primarily because when my wife found out that we were doing Women of the 80s, and she noticed Janet Jackson wasn't on my initial list, she was extremely appalled. And her disgust with me was based around the fact that the Control album from 1986 was so big and influential. She told me it was the album that her and all her girlfriends listened to on their boomboxes and their Walkman for hours and hours. And this conversation with my wife, by the way, happened on a three and a half hour car ride coming back to Pennsylvania from Long Island 
during which she proceeded to shove all the Control album songs down my throat for about 30 minutes and gave me a bunch of facts and figures around it. So I wanted to share them with you here. So um, the Control album actually went on to become 10 times platinum, meaning it sold more than 10 million copies worldwide. Um, the singles that were released off that album, What Have You Done For Me Lately, Nasty Boy, When I Think Of You, which was actually her first number one hit, Control, Let's Wait A While, and Pleasure Principle. These are all songs everyone knows and loves. Um, this album actually made Janet the first female artist to have five top five hits from one album on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. The album also set a record for the longest continuous run of charting singles on the Hot 100 at 65 consecutive weeks. So my wife was right. It was a huge album in so many ways. Mysik, you and I have talked about our take on Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis's production. I always felt like there was too, too much going on in that music, but I always respected their work. They really did a good job with this groundbreaking album, and they actually won a Grammy for Producer of the Year. And this led the way for the Rhythm Nation album that was released in 89 and all the subsequent albums that followed. Yeah, yeah Steve, I mean, it's kind of hard to understate how monstrously large this record was in 1986 as kind of the new wave pop of the middle 80s gave way to a more R&D focused direction on the charts going into 86 and into 87. It's hard to deny the success of this record control and nasty what have you done for me lately. When I think of you as a particular favorite of mine off that record as well. From 2001, her All For You LP with the lead single from that album. Just undeniably catchy. Uh, we can all talk about her very controversial uh, Super Bowl moment uh, where Justin Timberlake did not get nearly enough grief in the estimation of quite a number of people. You know, she was a pop icon, remains a pop icon, and still making music even to this day. So who's next on your list? All right, I'm going to go with Alison Moyet, <laughs> a great English soul singer exploded onto the pop scene in the early 1980s as the vocalist in Yazoo. That's the band that Vince Clark, formerly of Depeche Mode, founded after he abruptly exited that band. For reasons still entirely unclear, Yaz made two absolutely bloody perfect albums, Upstairs at Eric's and their debut. Uh, you, you, know, you think of only you and connection and amazing techno pop singles. And they were in kind of that, in that vanguard of guy behind the keyboard with lead singer like Soft Cell or Blamange, but in this case, it was this huge voiced vocalist from Essex in Alison Moyet, just definitional to the era. She went on after Clark went to form Erasure to release a, a brace of really great solo albums, including Alf produced by uh, by Steve Jolie and Tony Swain uh, with its single Invisible, which is just this, you know, gorgeous piece of chamber pop. And she is somebody, Moye, I come back to again and again. I went through a Yaz phase, I have to admit, middle part of last year and was, went down this complete YouTube rabbit hole and found her performing a few years ago at a Burberry fashion show. Mm. Um, so she's there singing, and then I will tell the listeners this is worth digging up on the YouTubes, her singing Only You, uh, kind of accompanied by this chamber, you know, chamber 
up kind of orchestra while there are high fashion models walking all around her and and stars like Benedict Cumberbatch are on the side and Anna Wintour from Vogue are, are looking on. I think it just goes to the fact that of, of how much those songs have just sort of insinuated their way into the culture and despite the passage of what four decades they still sound as good as they ever have. They have. And there are a lot of beautiful Alison Moyet performances on YouTube from the past 10, 15 years or so. I'm glad to see that she's still out there making music and singing and she looks better than ever. All, All right. right. So your number, your number two. Okay, so my number two is really my number one female artist of all time, and that is Olivia Newton-John. <laughs> now, Mysick, you can argue that Olivia is primarily a 70s artist because she a huge chunk of her work came out of that decade, including the smash movie Grease, which we could spend a whole entire show on by itself. But she made a double splash in the 80s, first with Xanadu, the movie, <laughs> and the songs from that soundtrack um, that were just fantastic and then in 1982 with their smash hit physical which infiltrated the pop charts and mtv in a huge way that year the song became somewhat of a cultural phenomenon among girls and young women all around the country and if you remember that video her outfit and the signature headband that she was sporting became a fashion workout trend it spawned an entire series of workout VHS tapes and shows that various women put out in the early 80s. Uh, and it was also the inspiration for tons of gym memberships happening that year. Everybody wanted to, let's get physical. That physical album also featured a single called Make a Move on Me, which also was a huge hit that you remember and that was awesome song. Although it wasn't the cultural phenomenon that physical was. But Olivia, to this day... God rest her soul, remains my number one of all time. Love her. I mean, what do you say? She's living in John, for God's sakes. The woman is iconic. Every single one of us sang along to Greece when we were little kids. Every single one of us watched the physical video when we were little kids. I mean, I kind of feel like, Steve, that Olivia and John, when she made that leap into the 80s, was part of that group of female vocalists that included Sheena Easton or Laura Branigan or that lady Charlene who had the Never Been To Me single and then promptly disappeared without a trace. Ballady with, with a big voice. Olivia and John prior to that was known for being kind of squeaky queen in the 1970s. And then she blew that up with Grease and further blew it up with the with the physical video, which is controversial for its time. It's important, right. important to point out. You know, and she just remains sort of this iconic figure, a much beloved Australian citizen, sort of, you know, part of the Australian entertainment ferment, battled breast cancer for a little of those many years until it took us from her a little while back. Back and God rest her soul. But how do you say a single bad word about Olivia Newton John? An incredible talent, and just seemed like I never knew her, but yeah, just seemed like a lovely, lovely person. All right, who you got, Mysick? All right, um, so this is what I'm going to file this one under Everything Old is New Again. Last summer, you might have seen this little TV show on Netflix called Stranger Things uh, with this pop song called Running Up That Hill that all these kids loved, uh, sung by the stalwart English vocalist Kate Bush, getting her hits in three decades, in the 70s, the 80s, and, and now the aughts, or the 2020s. Kate Bush, you know, just this, this this really quixotic figure. She became successful very young, uh, discovered by David Gilmore of Pink Floyd, 
made some amazing records running up that hill hounds of love babushka almost kind of prog rocky in a lot of ways very very quixotic stuff you could kind of lump her in with peter gabriel as well and she kind of disappeared from the scene um was content to kind of just do her thing has periodically re-emerged ever since just stratospheric last summer steve with the emergence of running up that hill make a deal with god every single time you turned on first wave on sirius xm they were playing it again it gave, you know, gave me a chance to introduce her music to my daughter who would not have heard it otherwise just an amazing amazing talent and i agree she is definitely a well-respected visionary of the 80s so it was nice to see her in your list all right yours my sick i tell you I'm giving you a two-for-one deal with this one. It is the ladies of the human league, Susan Ann Sully and Joanne Catherall. Now, you and I constantly talk about how much we dig and love Phil Oakey, but I think you would agree that having the ladies in the group really brought a nice balance to his famous smooth baritone voice. Susan Ann's vocal was an invaluable contribution to 1981's Don't You Want Me?, it's such an important part of that historic song. And I love that Joanne later on got her hit in their 1986 single, Human. And of course, both of them singing together in Love Action and Fascination and all of those other songs, just fantastic. Their dynamic duo made for a lot of great fun in the videos as well. And I want to dip into the 90s really quick just to mention their song, Tell Me When, which I know you know, it was in the 90s, but it still had that classic Human League sound. There's a CD out there now on, on Spotify and the other streaming services where you can find remixes of that single. It features Utah Saints and a number of other producers. Just fantastic. Yeah, you know, Steve, it's important to mention these two women actually rescued the Human League from oblivion. Were it not for the audition of Joanne Catherall and then Suzanne Sully, now known as Susan Ann Sully, the fate of the Human League might have been entirely different. You know, listeners may or may not know that Phil Oakey was, you know, the original Human League was an all-boys club uh, with Ian Craig Marsh and Martin Ware and Philip Adrian Wright. And Martin Ware and Craig Marsh split off to form Heaven 17, leaving Phil and Adrian Wright, who was the band's slide projectionist, who had not a jot of musical talent. So Phil went out into the discos in Sheffield one night. They had a gig coming up. They needed to do something, by God. He stumbled across the then-teenaged Joe Catherall and Suzanne Sully, asked them if they wanted to be in the band. They said yes. He got permission from their parents to bring them out on tour. He had breaks from school. True story. This is in the uh, Synth Britannia documentary. And then they stayed with the band, and you know the rest, as they say, is pop history. Uh, so in this case, they were more than just backup singers. They literally saved the Human League from oblivion. Were it not for those two ladies, uh, there would be no Don't You Want Me. They would be no Keep Feeling Fascination. Uh, it would have been a very, very different pop story okay it's your turn who do you got all right for pick number four i'm going with long island the zone and steve you should feel some hometown pride here miss deborah ann gibson miss only in my dreams miss shake your love her own self miss foolish beat sound like you're really into her my <laughs> you know you have your celebrity crushes on show i got mine she came roaring out with that first album out of the blue in 1987 what was cool for me about this was as a young musician who is trying to write music who's trying to, to, to make up his own songs here was somebody our age steve for the very first time who was writing and playing 
on her own. That was huge. Yes, you know, here was a 17-year-old girl. I was a 17-year-old. She could have been in high school with me. She could have been in high school with you. She was from Merrick, for God's sake. I, I met her a few times, yeah. Well, see, there you have it. And she was playing music. She was writing music. And there was something that was just really accessible and inspiring for me about that. Because if, if she could do it, then if Charlie Sexton could do it, then by God, I could do it too. You know, of course, there was the whole Tiffany rivalry thing. They're now best of friends, of course. But, you know, it was the battle for the malls. Tiffany was out there performing in the malls. Debbie was playing was playing halls. This little, just this burst of pop effervescence there in the uh, in the summer of 1987 with some with some great great songs you know it, it's funny like we all have our guilty pleasures but you, you seem pretty adamant about this one i will defend debbie gibson unto death james I, I gotta tell you you're on your own with this one my sick i just don't understand with all the valuable street cred that you've built up over the years <laughs> this one's coming from but hey this, this one I, I will say this somebody our own age writing their own music playing their own songs i mean how do you not how do you not doff and making it big how do you not doff your cap to that I, I hear you on that. I hear you on that. You got to give her credit. She, she still, made it. She's still, she's still doing it now. 52 years old. She's still, she's still doing it, man. So, so I'm coming at you with someone that I feel like had to be mentioned because you just can't glance over Madonna. And what can I say about Madonna that everyone already doesn't know? To me, she was really the original female pop icon superstar. She created the mold that set a high standard for so many female artists that followed, like Gwen Stefani, Katy Perry, and Lady Gaga. Before Madonna came along, I don't think there was really anyone previously doing what she did, singing, writing songs, involved in the production of the music, dancing, choreographing, and, and she always had a vision of what was coming next. So while Michael Jackson was doing all that, representing for the guys, Madonna was on the other side, leading the charge for the gals. Just a super talented, icon, visionary artist. A transformational figure, no doubt. There was pop before Madonna, and then there was pop after Madonna. That first record, the self-titled EP, where she was still that kind of downtown dancer figure who had hung out with Basquiat and played with, with the Breakfast Club and it was kind of, you know, cutting edge and, and edgy. You know, every girl in our high school, Steve, after they saw Madonna showed up for class the next day with kind of the with the crucifixes and the rubber bracelets and, and the, you know, the mesh tops and t-shirts and all that stuff. Just a huge impact on fashion, a huge impact on music, a tremendous defender as well of the lgbtq community that cannot be understated she opened up dialogues about femininity and sexuality that we probably would not have had were it not for madonna so as much as she's an important musical figure she's you know a, a sort of a transcendent cultural figure as well so my who's next all right, so this is where I rescue my street cred, apparently, with you after picking Debbie Gibson as uh, as my number, what, my number three pick. I'm going with uh, Stephanie Lynn Nix, better known as Stevie Nix of Fleetwood Mac, um, a woman who had one foot planted in the 70s, one foot planted in the 1980s. You know, again, what do you say about Stevie Nicks? She, like Madonna, is just such a, an iconic figure in rock and roll, uh, with Fleetwood Mac singing Dreams and Rhiannon and Landslide. 
Rolling Stone called her the reigning queen of rock and roll at one point. You know, it's hard to argue with that. She recorded with Tom Petty with Stop Dragging My Heart Around, Edge of 17, so many of her great solo records. Just recently on um, on Amazon Prime was Daisy Jones and the Six, the video series based on the on the book by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Borrows kind of liberally from that Fleetwood Mac love triangle mythology. I mean, you know, it's kind of put her back out there in front of an entirely new generation of listeners. And I have to admit, Steve, this was this was one that I came around on. I think <clears throat> later in life, my new wave and punk soul kind of rebelled against the idea of liking Fleetwood Mac. But much in the same way, I find myself appreciatively listening to Pink Floyd these days. Um, I've got uh, a soft spot for Fleetwood Mac, and it's just hard to deny just the overabundance of talent in that band. You had you had Stevie, you have Lindsay, you had Christine McVie. I mean, just three super talented songwriters in one band. Stevie is one of the true prolific songwriters and singers of our lifetime. I always thought it was cool, Isaac, when in 2006, she joined Tom Petty's 40th anniversary tour as an honorary heartbreaker. That's right. I just did a bunch of dates with him singing background. How cool would it have been to be at one of those shows? Oh, you, right. you have this fantastic artist and icon in the music world. And she's just, she can do whatever she wants. And she's like, I'm just going to sing backup for Tom Petty's band for their 40th anniversary tour. Just great. I, I thought it was awesome. Um, you know, she did sing a few songs. Stop dragging my heart around and a few others. Yeah. I mean, Tom, I think Tom Petty at any point would be. Amazing. Yeah, Marnie bought me tickets for my 32nd birthday. We went saw him at Hershey Park. One of the greatest rock and roll shows I've ever That's seen. Yeah. Ever. One of the tightest bands I've ever seen. Yeah. Just that unspoken communication on stage between Tom Petty and Mike Campbell and Ben Montench. The Brian Setzer trio opened up with this great wow. set of rock, rockabilly beforehand. But Steve, just trying to imagine throwing Stevie Nicks into that mix, it had to have been just extraordinary. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to set my last pick up by paraphrasing the last line of the Nails song, 88 lines for 44 women. Belinda Carlisle, here's a kiss. I chose you to end this list. You know that song? I, I love that song. So on one side, you had Susanna Hoffs, and on the other side, I felt, was Belinda Carlisle. Two parallel artists in many ways, both very talented ladies, leading all-female bands. Each had notable solo careers with numerous hits. I want to mention that, similar to how Stevie Nicks was plucked out of Fleetwood Mac by Jimmy Iovine and set up with a path for a terrific solo career, it was nice to see Belinda also break out of her band in 1985 to go on and have a string of her own hits written by top songwriters and the best producers and musicians at her disposal. My favorite tune from her solo career, can you guess what it was? Mad About You. Absolutely. And do you know yes. what? <laughs> Andy Taylor's on lead guitar. That's right. Just a great song with Andy's presence on it. You remember that video where they were basically like sitting on patio furniture and big, he was just lounging out with that big guitar. I think it was a Gresh. He was playing a Gresh. Yeah, yeah, which was atypical for him. So it was nice to see him with sort of different guitar than he usually played, like his famous Washburn that we all have ingrained in our minds. 
She did such a fantastic job when she was heading the Go-Go's and it was nice to see her have a great solo career. I, I feel her and Susanna are very similar artists. All right, Steve, I am going to walk like an Egyptian on the way out of the pod this week with, yes, that's right, Susanna Lee Hoffs of the Bangles. Just, I love this band for so many reasons. They started off the dawn of the 80s as one of the original Paisley underground groups, playing 1960s girl group pop alongside the Dream Syndicate and Green on Red and Rain Parade. You know, really cutting edge American indie bands and holding their own among them, you know, Going down to Liverpool, uh, covering a song by the Soft Boys. And you had the Peterson sisters, Vicky on guitar and vocals, Debbie on drums and vocals, Michael Steele on bass and vocals, everyone just like a triple threat singing and playing and these gorgeous four-part harmonies. And then all of a sudden we look up and it's 1985 and it's a different light and they are this high sheen pop group playing a Prince cover in Manic Monday. And that record just went mega uh, with Walk Like an Egyptian and walking down your street. And, you know, and that led to the next Bangles record with Eternal Flame on it and In My Room. And you know, their creative tensions, the old story of creative tensions boiling over in the band. A little bit too much of the spotlight shown on Susanna Hoffs to the detriment of the rest of the band. And the Bangles kind of sadly fell apart and wouldn't play together for about 10 or so years. They've since regrouped and play together regularly. Uh, Susanna Hoffs has released some really great solo records, most recently one last year. She did two albums of covers with Matthew Sweet. She's got her first book coming out. She's absolutely adorable on Instagram. She's just so much fun to follow. And, you know, just a, a really talented vocalist, a really talented singer-songwriter. And again, one of those kind of like iconic figures of, of the 80s that everyone kind of associates with the decade. I want to mention that what I loved about the Bangles is that they had their hit songs, right? Walk Like an Egyptian, which was huge, Eternal Flame. If she knew what she wants, which was a later tune that never really got a a judge, written by the great Jules Shear, one of the great underappreciated songwriters of the 1980s. Right. And um, In Your Room. So they had great songs on their own, but the covers that they did, they really made their own. Hazy um, Shades Winter, just amazing. Right. You know, we were at the age where you would hear them do Hazy Shade of Winter, and you, you didn't know it was a Simon and Garfunkel song until, like, the DJ said it. It was like, right. oh, they totally remade that song into their own version of it, totally different from the original, you know, and it fits so well with the rest of their repertoire. And of course, Manic Monday, which Prince wrote for them. And, and 30 something years later, everyone says they're having a Manic Monday. You know, they, It's always funny to hear that song on a Monday, but they play they play it all throughout the week on the pop station still. So it's kind of funny when you hear it on a Thursday. It's like, oh, yeah, it's a great song anyway. Just another Manic Thursday. It doesn't roll off the tongue in quite the same way. <laughs> All right, that's all the time we have for this week. It's been a blast running down these lists of the great ladies of the 1980s. I'm John. Uh, Like, share, subscribe, share your comments in the comments section below. Pick us up everywhere you can get podcasts. And until next time, keep it cool, keep it awesome, and keep it totally rad.